I'm too busy. It won't happen to me. I have plenty of time. These are common excuses people give for not paying attention to the soon return of Jesus Christ. A high school football coach of mine used to say, excuses are like armpits. Everybody has two of them, and they both stink. The Bible says, as in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. So what's your excuse for living as though Jesus isn't coming back? I'm Ron Jones. Something good starts right now. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Hello, and welcome to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. I'm Brian Davis. Thanks for tuning in. In Luke 21, verse 27, Jesus spoke those words in reference to his second coming, a future event that has been described as the most climatic event in human history. No one knows the day or the hour. But the question Ron wants to ask you today is, in light of what will happen then, how should you be living now? Stay right here or visit somethinggoodradio.org to listen on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org, where you can hear any of Ron's messages on demand. From his teaching series, What on Earth is Happening? Examining the Prophecies of Jesus. Here's Ron with part two of his Something Good Radio message, What Angels Wish They Knew. You know, it concerns me as a pastor, as a ministry leader, that fewer and fewer pastors and theologians even talk about this in the pulpit. Because the itching ears of our day are saying, just give me something that is practical and relevant to my everyday life. I'm just trying to raise my kids. I'm trying to go to work tomorrow morning. Come on, preacher, feed me something I can use tomorrow morning in the nine to five hours. And in the busyness of our life, we lose the sense of urgency about uh, uh, the second coming of Jesus. I, I find it interesting, before I leave this uh, first dangerous attitude, that again, Jesus would go back and, and link the most talked about event in Bible prophecy, his second coming, more than even his first coming, but the most talked about event in, in Bible prophecy, his second coming, that he would link it to an old, old story like the story of Noah. Okay, he goes all the way back to the beginning. Uh, and yet the story of Noah is one of the most mocked and one of the most maligned stories even today. I mean, people just scoff at the idea of a worldwide flood. But it's also interesting, if you think about it, Jesus linked another you know, key event in Christianity, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, linked it to an old story that's mocked, <laughs> the story of Jonah. Remember when Jesus said the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the belly of the earth, just like Jonah was three nights, three days and three nights in the belly of the fish? Why would Jesus, you know, risk the credibility of such a 
keystone event in Christianity to a, a story about some guy who got swallowed by a fish in the Old Testament. I, I, I just find it ironic that two of the most maligned stories in the Bible are linked to two of the most key events in Christianity, the resurrection of Jesus Christ and his promised return, okay? But some people say, I'm too busy for that. Too busy with my life to give a second thought to the second coming. Second dangerous attitude that people might uh, develop is to say, this won't catch me by surprise. It won't surprise me. Jesus says otherwise, verse 40. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and one left. Therefore, he says, stay awake. In other words, don't fall asleep. For you do not know on what day your Lord is coming, but know this, that if the master of the house had known what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Uh, some people, I'm too busy. I'm too busy to give a second thought to the second coming. Other people, yeah, I, I hear about it, but it won't, it won't take me by surprise. Jesus says, no, it's going to surprise some, because the second coming is always described as happening like a thief in the night. Hey, when was the last time a thief made an appointment with you? <laughs> Wouldn't we all like that, you know? You get a phone call, hey, hey Bob, are you going to be around uh, next Thursday at about 2 a.m.? Because that's when I'm coming to rob your house. Do you mind, you know? No, the thief never makes an appointment. A smart thief, you know, works you know, with classified information. When he's coming to rob you, only the thief knows. That's why we lock our doors, we close our windows at night, we put the alarm system on. We, we, in that alarm system, there's a ready mode, right? There's a ready button. Is, is your biblical and spiritual and prophetic alarm set? Are you ready? Have you alerted yourself and your family? Or will it take you by surprise because you've grown complacent? I heard one Bible teacher uh, use the word cavalier. We've become so cavalier in our world today when it comes to these things that, you know, that, that word stuck with me because we have a five-star resort here in Virginia Beach called the Cavalier. I wish I could afford to go there, you know. Five-star, beautiful resort right there on the beach. It's been renovated, beautiful place. You know what happens when you're at the Cavalier you forget all the worries of life, right? You even forget whether you set the alarm at your house. You're not even, it's, it's so beautiful and so relaxing, you're not even thinking about that thief that's coming at 2 a.m. to rob your house. That's what happens when we become cavalier and complacent. Uh, Jesus says, stay awake. He says, uh, you must be ready. Don't think it won't surprise you because I'm, I'm coming in a way that will be a surprise to most people in this world. I'm coming like a thief in the night. The third dangerous attitude that I wrote down in my study was this. I have plenty of time. I have plenty of time. 
Jesus goes on in verse 36, who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find doing so when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that wicked servant says to himself, my master is delayed and begins to beat his fellow servants and eats and drinks with drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him at an hour when he does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. These are sobering words here. Um, they're, they're meant to <laughs> maybe frighten us just a bit. But Jesus talks about two, two types of people. One is the faithful servant. And, and he talks about the faithful servant in contrast to the unfaithful servant uh, within uh, kind of a storytelling motif that we often find in Jesus' parables where he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a master who, who went away for a while and entrusted his business or his wealth to his servants. The servants knew the master was gone, but he was coming back, but they didn't know the day or the hour. Jesus often, you know, told stories like that, and he draws upon that motif here. And he says, some when the master returns will be found faithful. Uh, He says, um, uh, blessed is that servant whom his master will find doing so when he comes. Doing what? Doing his master's work. Uh, There's a stewardship lesson here, right? We've all been entrusted time and certain talents and money and treasure. It's important for us as believers to make that transition from an ownership mentality to a stewardship mentality. The time, the talent, the treasure and money that you possess it doesn't belong to us. It doesn't belong to me. I'm, I'm I hopefully the faithful servant that is managing that trust on behalf of the master who's coming again. And there's an accountability. You know, there's, there's a reckoning there. Will you be found faithful, Jesus says. Some will, some won't. And the description of the unfaithful servant in this section of the of, uh, Uh, Matthew 24 here, we really have to conclude this person was never a believer in the first place. Uh, Maybe he he or she gave the impression that they were, but uh, when when he's surprised by the master's return and thinks to himself, oh, I've got plenty of time. My master has delayed. I've got plenty of time. And rather than than giving attention to the master's work and to the mission and the business of the master, he he just lives a frivolous life, and he's surprised by the master's return. And, well, here's the strong language. The master will cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, language that is often used to describe those who are cast into eternal damnation and judgment, a place called hell. So you have to conclude. This unfaithful servant who was caught by surprise, who who lived as though he had plenty of time, was never a believer to begin with. Dr. Ron Jones will be right back with the second half of today's message, What Angels Wish They Knew. 
And remember, you can stop by somethinggoodradio.org anytime to find more about the ministry or to order selected resources like the series that you're hearing right now, What on Earth is Happening? Examining the Prophecies of Jesus. The entire audio download of this series can be yours today for a gift to Something Good Radio. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Give online at somethinggoodradio.org. Mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245 in Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456, or call our offices, 757-276-1099. Now, here's Ron with the second half of today's Something Good Radio message, What Angels Wish They Knew. I'm reminded of a a sort of a parable or a story that is told about... uh, a group of demons who had just finished their training in hell. And uh, they were taking their final exam, an oral exam, just one question. They had to appear before Satan himself, and Satan would ask this question, when you are released and you go to planet Earth, how will you deceive the people who live there? The first demon came forward and he said, Satan, I've been thinking about this for quite some time. Here's my plan. When I go to planet Earth, I'm going to tell people God doesn't exist. And Satan said, well, you know, that's a, that's a pretty good one. It's been tried for many, many centuries and all that. But, but here's the problem. These people were created in the image of God, and they were hardwired with a God awareness. We've been trying for centuries to get them to deny that, to suppress the truth as their creator has revealed himself. And we've had some success with that. You might have some success, but, you know, good luck for you. Next demon came forward and said, Satan, I've been thinking about the question, and uh, here's my strategy. When I go to planet Earth, I'm going to tell people hell does not exist. And again, Satan kind of shrugged his shoulders a bit, and he says, yeah, you know, we've been trying that for many, many years, and we've been getting, you know, gaining some good ground on that. However, uh, people generally kind of think, you know, some will go to heaven, some will go to hell. The third angel, or demon rather, came forward and said, Satan... Uh, I've been thinking about this. I've been pondering. I I think I know my strategy. When I go to planet Earth, I'm going to tell people they have plenty of time. Plenty of time. And Satan looked at him and said, you're going to be a successful demon. See, it's a dangerous, dangerous way to think about the second coming of Christ to say, I'm just too busy to give a second thought to this. (laughs) I'm just knocking myself out, earning a living, working nine to five, raising my kids, trying to get them ready for this online. I don't have time to think about this, preacher. Or, you know, know, this won't catch me by surprise. Don't worry about that. But you've slipped into a place of complacency and a cavalier attitude. Or you say, "Ah, I've got plenty of time. Peter wrote about those at the end of the age. He called them scoffers who would say, where is the promise of his coming? You know, these these promises were, you know, centuries ago and thousands of years ago, and where is the promise? And and they say, nah, he, he isn't coming or he's delayed or we have plenty, plenty of time. Jesus is just getting warmed up on this theme of, Get ready. Get yourself in the ready position. I, I, I love that in, in sports. My kids were uh, NCAA athletes. Uh, one played college softball, another college basketball. My son, who is the basketball player, he learned early on, if you're on defense, you don't stand flat-footed. 
You stand like this, and that guy with the ball is going to dribble right around you. You know, you get in the ready position. And there's something to learn there about uh, us as believers in Jesus Christ, to be in the ready position. Some in the first century thought the ready position was quit your job, climb up to the top of the mountain, and just sit and wait for the coming of Jesus. Well, <laughs> Paul writes to them and says, no, that's foolishness. You get ready by waiting, watching, working on behalf of the master. Yes, living your life, doing the things that you got to do, but always setting your affection on things above and not on things on the earth. Of loving the appearing of Jesus, eagerly expecting his soon return, understanding it's imminent. It could happen at any day and any hour. You stay in that mission-ready position. You're praying, even so, come, Lord Jesus. But if he doesn't come today, you're busy about the Lord's work. The last thing you want to do is for him to come and to find you in some kind of a complacent, cavalier, uh, oh, I thought he wasn't coming today kind of mode. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, it means you were never a real believer to begin with. Uh, the, the text seems to suggest that believers in Jesus Christ are, are full of that anticipation that Jesus is coming, and we're busy about the master's work until he comes, helping to get other people ready, being ready in season and out of season for those conversations, those opportunities to introduce people to faith in Jesus Christ, people that are too busy, people that are too cavalier and too complacent, pe people that you know, think they have plenty of time no matter what the sense of urgency might be. You're there in season and out of season, ready to have those conversations with family and friends. We're busy about the Lord's business as a church, uh, not just uh, going home during this COVID thing, crawling up under our bed and wringing our hands until some government official tells us we can come out. We got work to do, friends. Jesus is coming again, and there is a, a world that is spinning out of control and, com and complacency and is thinking about anything, anything but the soon and urgent return of Jesus Christ. It's interesting, back in verses uh, 40 through 44, there's some language here that, that we need to clarify. Jesus says, when that day comes, then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one will be left. And some people say, see, uh, that's, that's rapture language, and, and that sounds like the rapture. Uh, the second coming and the rapture are the same event. And this is where... Uh, very careful theologians like Dr. John Walvoord helps us parse this a little bit. He says, at the rapture, the righteous will be taken, the unrighteous left behind, okay? That's 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. But at the second coming, if you read it carefully, and keep in mind, this is in light of Noah's story, Noah's prophecy. Like in the days of Noah, at the second coming, the unrighteous will be taken swept away in judgment while the righteous will be left behind to enter into the millennial kingdom. Slight nuance in the language here, but it helps clarify that, uh, that two-step approach that we've talked about. The rapture happening in the twinkling of an eye. I call it the next event on God's prophetic calendar. It could happen today. There's nothing else that needs to align for the rapture. Then we know the timeline. 
seven years, tribulation, second coming of Christ. Nobody knows the exact day or the hour, but he'll come like a thief in the night. We have work to do, friends, as believers in Jesus Christ to help other people get ready. That's the business of the church, to make disciples of Jesus Christ who go and make disciples with a mission readiness and a sense of urgency about us. And if you're here today in this room or watching online, and, and, and you've been one of those people that have never given stuff like this a second thought, you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, today's the day of salvation, okay? Noah preached for 120 years, rain is coming. Come aboard the ark, there's plenty of room. Nobody listened to him but his own family. And the judgment fell and swept away the unrighteous. That same warning is coming in Scripture regarding the second coming of Jesus. And you'd be wise, any of us, to heed that warning and to heed it today. Thanks so much for joining us for today's Something Good message, What Angels Wish They Knew. Well, Ron, let's talk for a minute about this unique relationship angels have with God. They are created beings like we are, but there are some rather drastic differences between angels and humans. There sure are, Brian. Now, some of them are relatively insignificant. For example, angels cannot bear children. But a couple of the differences are quite profound. Although both angels and humans were initially created without sin, only humans were created in the image of God. And here is the major difference that has a practical application for all of us. Only humans can be forgiven of their sin. What I mean by that is when Jesus came to the cross to pay the penalty for the sins of mankind, angels were not included in that arrangement. If you remember, Lucifer rebelled against God, and he, along with about a third of the angelic population, were cast down to earth for their rebellion. And one day, according to Matthew 25 and verse 41, Lucifer and his angels will be thrown into everlasting fire. So whereas angels cannot be redeemed by the blood of Christ, humans can. And when I say humans can, I mean any human being who is alive or will be alive is eligible for salvation. No matter what that person has done or how many times that person has rejected Jesus or scoffed at the idea of Jesus or has been guilty of deep-seated pride and arrogance the way Lucifer was, no matter what the case, that human being is not beyond redemption. And that is why we as believers cannot afford to be complacent with the gospel. We cannot afford to think of anyone as a lost spiritual cause. We've got to stay on task, that task being uh, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ without prejudice or prejudgment as to whether a person will believe what the Bible says is the truth and who the truth is, namely Jesus. The Great Commission is serious business, Brian, and in these last days, we need to remain diligent in carrying out that commission. In the words of Jesus, we must work while it is day. The night is coming when no man can work. Great stuff, Ron. Thanks for those final thoughts on today's message, What Angels Wish They Knew. Coming your way next time, a message from Dr. Ron Jones called The Midnight Cry.
Ron, as we wrap things up here on this edition of Something Good Radio, tell us what's in store when we come back next week. Brian, one of the big questions the Bible asks of us is, are you ready? Uh, Starting with, are you ready to receive salvation, the free gift of eternal life? But also, are you ready for the imminent return of Jesus Christ? I'll talk about both of these questions a little further next time, but here's one thing I'd like to say right now. The Bible describes the second coming of Jesus Christ this way. Jesus will return, are you ready for this? Like a thief in the night. (laughs) Sort of unexpected and in a way quiet and a little sneaky. But that's not the only way the Bible describes the second coming. There is another description of it. And I will explore that idea in this upcoming message. So be sure to join us next time, right here on Something Good Radio. Thanks, Ron. It all comes your way Monday when Dr. Ron continues his teaching series, What on Earth is Happening? Examining the Prophecies of Jesus. For Ron and all of us here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.